When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Ryan LaPlante, and I'm one of the crazy founders of Dumb Dumbs and Dice, the production company that's made the video you're watching or the podcast you're listening to right now. Now, we're clearly busy. We're producing four weekly podcasts, Dumb Dumbs and Dragons, Blood and Syrup, The Mythos Mysteries, and Warhammer 40,000, The Valentine Heresy, as well as four event podcasts with miniseries releases at staggered intervals, Curse Code and Crown, Dumb Scum and Villainy, One Shots, and the bad movie review show, Garbage Town the Movie Podcast. But we want to take this time to invite you to become a part of our company and a part of our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. You can get access to our Discord, access to exclusive DM and character chats. You can get the chance to name characters in our shows. You can even become a recurring NPC and hear yourself interacting with our characters each week through the voice of Tom. You can become a patron for as little as $1, and there's great value for you at even that level. So please, join the Dum Dums and Dice family and help us make even more content Content in a way that you are guaranteed to love. That's patreon.com slash dumdumdice. D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. So let's do something dumb together, and thanks for being part of our stories. I am Executron, god of merchandising, and I came into existence because Dum Dums and Dice has its own merchandise. That's a god pod, get it? Dice? Merchandise? Anyways, you can get t-shirts, hoodies, spiral notebooks, clocks, wall art, throw pillows, bags, and even stickers emblazoned with your favorite Dum Dums and Dice characters and their catchphrases. Go to redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. One more time for the mortals in the back, redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. Get your merchandise dice today. Welcome back to Curse, Code, and Crown, a live play Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition podcast featuring a fully original world and campaign. I am the wizard Cronox, observer of time. Curse, Code, and Crown features our regular voiceover artists and improvisers, Laura Elizabeth as Princess Gwendolyn, Tyler Hewitt as Maka Deathcap, and Ryan LaPlante as Duncan Kindano, alongside our dungeon master, the incredible Tom McGee. So get ready for an adventure including thrills, chills, and hope for a brighter tomorrow. It's time for Curse Code and Crown! You've got uh, some time to prepare. Um, they've, uh, 
They've got, um, I'll say they actually have a, a refrigeration unit on hand for like um, part of their canteen. Uh, so if you want to stow the body um, that I assume you're, did you, what are you doing with the body? Did you leave it in the woods? Did you bring it with you? As far as I know, we left it in the cabin in the woods, unless... We left it in the, yeah, the cottage that crumbled. Yeah, so the the cottage is gone, but you could have, like, tucked it away there for, like... Probably built a cairn over it out of the pieces of the cottage, I guess. So nothing would, like, eat it, but we could get to it. Yeah, great. Um, Okay, cool. So um, you've got uh, some time to prepare uh, to rest before your journey. Uh, Is there anything from Garbage Town that you would want? There is a general store. Everything, like, you can get all the sort of standard items you might find on uh, a standard shopping list, with the exception, mentally, uh, keep in mind that they're all, like, weird improvised versions of the thing. So, like, if you're picking up, like, a shovel, it's a weird shovel that's been hammered together from two other shovels. Right. Right. No regulation uh, goods. I, I mean, I'm Duncan sure. Would I'm wanna, sure there. Oh, sorry. Go. I was just say Duncan would want to have conversations in private once we're ready. But if there is a general store, knowing that he found iron silk, he'd just want to go see if there's more. I don't think he actually needs any items other than that. But okay, sure. If there's a supply, um, so you go into the store, um, and there's um, yeah, you can see that it's it's definitely like the best things they found. Um, I will also say for 50 gold, you can roll on the, uh, the chart again, um, with the understanding that it won't be something bad. Um, but, um, no, there's, there's definitely no other iron silk. This looks again, like it was something that, um, a rich person in Orvel found and was, was displaying, but not something that, uh. Yeah, that it's is a lucky wide. find. Yeah, um, and particularly in, in this region, like not not widely available. Um, they got copper polish. Um, <coughs> no, they don't. Oh, actually, ye, can you roll me a um, persuasion check? You can yeah. see them using oh. polish uh, in the back of the store to kind of like shine up things that are ruined, but it's not yeah. really for sale per se. Eight. Um, yeah, so they're. But I'm a princess! <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you say, your highness. And it goes back to like polishing copper rings. Um. Yeah, so sadly, no copper polish right. this day. Maybe later. <laughs> um, it occurs to you that uh, if whatever copper polish they have is likely either salvaged or um, part of the trade agreement with Orvel, but likely, even though it's a, an incredibly common substance, it's probably incredibly rare for them. Right. Because they, they can't go okay. shopping. Eh. Cool. Was there um, anything else? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just one thing I've realized that I'm just having trouble visualizing. Mm-hmm. Um are we on the surface of Gren when we're in Garbage Town, or is yes. Garbage Town just like another level down the chain, but still no, in the air? You're you're okay. on uh, on the level of Gren, so okay, okay. Uh, you get the sense that um, uh, the nation of byproduct is a dirty secret that Orvel doesn't acknowledge. Um, but yes, you're on you're you're on planet okay. side now, so you are you are in Gren. Okay, so it's still a mystery then how humans are down here and not only sequestered up in Orville. Um, yeah, I think based on kind of how much you've seen and, and now that you've talked to them a bit more, um, the mystery seems a bit clearer, which is um, Orville couldn't exist without 
the labor and yeah the like the 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 labor and toil of of people literally underneath them um so it's less mysterious now you're still within the wall that um all of that your delegation had to pass pass through yeah um but uh as you noticed which they wouldn't know um all of the um cannons and weapons on the wall face inward Hmm. um and uh so it's it's, this is still technically Orvel territory um, because it's within the wall. Got it. But mm. um, the people of Orvel are entirely unaware, with the exception of obviously the people who have, who are receiving the shipments of, of raw material from, from uh, yeah, the download. The people who don't have to think about it don't think about it. Yeah, and it's also yeah. by construction um, impossible to see. So there's just literally mm. no way that the people up there would know about it unless they really stop to think, where does my... Where does my meat poop come go. from? Yeah, where's my poop go and where does my meat come from? Right. Because there's no livestock in Orville. Right, um, right. Okay. But there is. I'm just. I just think of like that one, an episode of Mad Men, where like Don, like his family, like go for a picnic, and they're all like eating on like a nice picnic table, and they go to get up, and she just like shakes all the garbage <laughs> off into the park, and then walks away. Yep. Like that's that's Orville. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. It's that squirrel thing where it's like my house was too messy, so I moved to a clean one. Like it's yeah, yeah. Um, which again, again, Gwendolyn, for you is is shocking because you knew that um, Orvel was um, heavily politicked and certainly not like a utopia, but you didn't have any conception that it went this far. Yeah, because uh, this seems not only unsustainable but insane. Right. Um, cool. Um, all right, so having uh, loaded up on gear, um, you all um, kind of, uh, you take your traveling cloaks um, and uh, the gear you've got, and uh, you set out um, for uh, the um, uh, the realm of Lord Flicker, uh, uh, a.k.a. the Fire Puddle. So as you make your way away from Garbage Town, um, you realize that... Um, you're kind of moving away from the forest as well. Um, and as you head uh, sort of in a um, uh, bit of a sort of southeasterly direction, um, you can uh, see in the distance um, a uh, sort of a, a... It's large, it's not tall, um, but it's almost like a rounded um, uh, sort of mountain of, uh, of, of sort of obsidian um, rock. Uh, so it's not like a traditional like big spiky volcano. It's kind of a almost a like a massive um, cairn almost, uh, but it is it is dark uh, and you can definitely see there are um, artificial vents that have been built into it uh, to vent the heat. Um, so rather than having kind of like a big hole in the circle or circle in the circular hole, coffee work faster. Uh, caldera? Thank you. Rather than having a caldera, um, there are artificial vents that have been built and the caldera has been stopped up. Um, mm-hmm. with kind of a massive metal vent. Um, so you can see that burning in the distance. Uh, it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a hike. Um, and as you you sort of make your way through, you for the first time get a sense of the geography of where you are. So um, you can see um, the great wall um, kind of in the distance. Um, and it uh, it seems to be massive, um, built in um, some sort of um, sort of uh, could be copper, could be brass, but like heavy metal. Um, that has been adorned slightly, so it's not uh, taciturn, but big. Um, 
And at this range, you can't really make out many more details. It just glints in the sunlight every so often. Um, you can see uh, from here um, the, as I said, the, uh, the sort of um, low low rise mountain uh, of the fire pond. Um, you can see um, kind of uh, further east, uh, even in the far distance, um, what seems to be a uh, a large factory um, with um, uh, sort of massive smokestacks and um, the. To your surprise, there seems to be um, kind of a swirling bluish pink smoke uh, coming out of the the smokestacks. It almost looks like um, kind of uh, those beautiful paintings where people go real bananas with the colors on cloud. Um, it's uh, it's vaguely whimsical, uh, which is mm. odd. Um, you catch uh, just kind of a a hint on the uh, the air um, from uh, as you look to the north of. Um, so that awful slaughterhouse stench, um, and you can see, uh, sort of far to the north, um, what look like um, massive, massive cattle pens, um, and a huge uh, industrial complex um, of several buildings um, with um, vehicles. You can also see um, what looks to be the bottom of a um, large. Um, almost a gondola system um, or a tram system um, up into the sky that has clearly uh, been broken by the, the departure of Orvel. Um, but uh, you can still see, like, think like at the bottom of, um, of a, a rather large mountain where they're going to send skiers and tourists up constantly in those, like, big enclosed, like, James Bond fight um, wire cars. It's that level of system. Whereas uh, Garbage Town was sending up carts this is clearly a, a massive uh, shipping and receiving depot. Um, but uh, none of that uh, is of direct interest to you as of yet, but for the first time you've got a bit of a sense as to where you can go. Um, you approach the mountain and you can start to smell um, sulfur and methane and it's, it's um, almost overwhelming at, at this distance. Um, you, um, as you approach, um, you find a small stone wall that's been, um, constructed and, uh, you can see there's kind of, um, a, a cooled magma sludge that's been poured over, um, the, uh, the sort of entrance to the wall, uh, that is cooled to that kind of like dark gray of, of molten rock. Um, and, um, the, uh, sort of scorched into the earth in front of it um, are the words um, realm of the magma lord no trespassing uh, before we go any further or kind of speak to anyone uh, Duncan would turn to the princess and say princess there's something that needs to be discussed before we go any further these people down here they're all your subjects all of them this is Orvel it How is not, did I not know about this? That, Surely my father must have known. Surely he must have. Surely he must have. And surely he must have been a shite king who is theoretically dead or taken or surrendered. Your father never cared to rule. And if you want to learn to... You've been raised to be a princess. You've been raised to be a royal. You've not been raised to rule. And now... You spoke with the witch. You said you wanted to prove yourself capable. Here is the key. These are lords under your land. They are making demands. 
garbage town has said the these lords will not take their garbage. The question is why? You don't have a side in this. You have neutrality. It is your job to find the best thing for all people in both of these realms with an answer. It could be that Lord Flicker is correct and we have to act on his behalf back at Garbage Town. It could be replacing him with one of his sons is the correct move. It could be that this whole land is doomed, but that's only if you give up and if you fail. So look at the arguments, look at the options and choose the thing that's best for everyone. It may not be easy, but that is the path to actually ruling. Otherwise, you can go in there and we can bring him back in chains and we can get an amulet. But you will be no queen. Well, I mean, I should do what's best for everyone. But I, I, I'm going to need your counsel through all this. Well, I'm not like saying that and then I'm going to turn around and go into the woods. Right. I know, it's just, it's a lot of pressure on me now. I'm doing my best to not get mad at you because I'm aware where you came from and who your father was. That pressure's never going to go away. You have an entire land of people in shackles being murdered currently. If you didn't feel pressure, I'd be more worried. What you don't get to do is buckle. Royalty is fine steel or royalty is trash. You've got to decide which one you are. Complaining is not really great for a princess. Not complaining, just stating a fact. Angrily. And we're eventually gonna have to We're eventually gonna have to have a talk about your need to just rephrase what people are telling you is true to something less true but more convenient. Alright. Uh Maka I get the point. How are you um this isn't the first uh of these uh such squabbles you've seen. Uh nor shall it be the last, I'm sure. But given that you're now kind of in it with them, do you think you would interject with any of this, or are you still kind of figuring out where you're, where you sit in these sorts of conversations? I have an extremely niche frame of reference for these kinds of things because they are basically talking about a human's like where they stand in like a social construct, mm-hmm. which I have not been a part of for a long time. Right. But the closest thing I can equate it to, and I'll say this, is uh, Gwendolyn, uh, a Pax Alpha is not determined by birthright or blood. Mm. It is determined by the deeds and actions of the Alpha. The Alpha asserts its authority. Mm -hmm. And the Pack recognizes that and follows. If you are to be alpha of the humans, you will have to show them that you are worthy of being the alpha. Right. Alpha pack, not really sure what the metaphor is, but, oh, I think I get the point. Mm -hmm. I think if you just want to sum it up, sort of think of five words that'll tie this together for you. Birthright ain't shite. Earn it. All right, yeah, I've got that. Have you? Um, You hear um, the braying of mules uh, and as you um, kind of finish your conversation you you can see um, just a a little ways north of you, um, the mule carts have all 
you can see there's kind of like a, a shipping and receiving um, like depot that's been set up um, that obviously isn't the, sort of the main entrance you found. Um, and um, you can see that all the carts are, are, are stopped up at this and you can hear um, uh, Garbage Town staff complaining uh, about not being allowed in. Seems there's uh, some sort of commotion, uh, a holdup of some sort. Looks like there's a situation that might require some leadership. Well, I guess is this this is where we find out why they're not letting anything in. Well, uh, onward. So the three of you um, sort of follow the uh, the magma stone wall, um, which I should say is like a, a chest high wall. It's obviously meant as a visual deterrent, not a physical. Like it's not like a massive, unlike Garbage Town, which very much has heavy defenses. This is just kind of a. Don't you come in here? Um, you follow the wall to the receiving depot, um, and you can see that in addition to the uh, the recent vehicles that uh, you saw exiting Garbage Town, there are a number of um, uh, these sort of shipping containers that have been stacked uh, next to the entrance to the depot um, that are uh, piled pretty high, and it, you can see that they started out being very orderly and then got increasingly messier. Uh, you get the sense that this has been going on long enough now that, whereas first it was like, oh, I'm sure things will sort themselves out. It's like anytime there's a major like shipping crisis and everything's very orderly to begin with, and then people are eventually just like, oh, fuck it, you're not taking my stuff? Well, you're a problem, goodbye. Um, but uh, they're running out of space, clearly, and um, you can hear um, some of the, the, the garbage town staff being like, uh, I mean, we're just we're running out of crates. If you aren't clearing them out, we, we, we can't fill them. And trust me, like there's still plenty we need to fill. And um, there's a um, uh, a human who's wearing um, like uh, kind of um, you know that heavy fabric firefighters wear um, that's uh, it's fairly flame retardant and it's just very heavy. Um, so think like basically a firefighter's coat, but without the um, the reflective stripes. Um, in uh, pure gray with um, kind of a um, a flame patch on each shoulder uh, and a sort of a, a, a necklace of um, sort of a sigil of authority around their neck with, with uh, the flame on it. Um, and um, they're wearing a um, sort of like a, a heavy mask, um, metal mask they flipped up. It's like a welding mask. Um, but uh, with uh, sort of the, the entire face is visible through through the glass panel. They flipped it up, and um, the, uh, the lady uh, wearing this is just standing there with her kind of massive arms folded over her chest going like, uh, look, I'll tell you what I told them. Uh, you know, uh, we're done. We're, we're done with, with your, your shit, and we're done, uh, we're done doing this. You... You guys have been passing the buck for a long time, and it's uh, time for you to clean up your own messes. We're done with it. Lord's orders. Um, so that's the scene you arrive to. And I think Duncan will step aside, look <laughs> to the princess, and just sweeping arm gesture to the circumstance. I just, I kind of step up uh, and kind of put a, put a finger up and say, um, excuse me, I, I heard there might be um, a bit of a situation here. Um, uh, what, what's going on? 
Um, so they all kind of turn and, and look at you, um, and uh, the uh, the firewoman just uh, rolls her eyes. She's like, well, hello, Mrs. Fancy Pants. Look at this. A knight has deemed to deign us with her presence. How spectacular. Look, we're in the middle of business here, so I don't know what quest you think you're on or what dragon you're hoping to slay, but we really don't have um, time I'm, for this. I'm just going to stop you right there because I'm not a knight. I'm your princess. Um, so that changes everything, and you should really tell me what's happening. We don't have a princess. What the hell are you talking about? A princess of Orvel. We don't recognize yep. the authority of Orvel. We recognize the authority of the Lord of Bywater, Lord Flicker, and then the garbage shop people are like, oh, and the Lords of Garbage. Okay, um, they're clearly outmatched by this this firewoman. She's very, very uh, intimidating. All right. Well, um, the trouble seems to be over the shit that's produced from Orville. So, in that case, I am involved, and perhaps we can. Kind of meet halfway. Here, Go ahead and roll an me agreement. a uh, persuasion check, please. Oh, persuasion's so bad. <laughs> Seven. Um, she just kind of shakes her head and um, she drops her arms uh, to the two fire axes that she has hanging from her belt, um, and she kind of holds them like a like a cowboy reaching for um, guns on their hip, um, and uh, she's like, "Look, your highness." Uh, we serve the Magma Lord, no one else. So there's no agreement to be made. We provide the raw materials for Orville's weapons. We don't need to also mess with its shit. This is ridiculous. We'll have none of it. The Magma Lord is done. We're done. And if all of you aren't off this property in five fucking minutes, we're going to unleash hell. And you can see the Garbage Town people are like, pretty nervous about this. This is this does seem fairly concerning. Great. I just want to be clear from where Duncan's standing. It's Magma representative and who who else or is it just her for now? It's threatening it, on behalf of the kingdom. It's just her threatening on behalf of the kingdom. Um, you can see there's the the there's uh, three shipments of garbage town uh, in the garbage town convoy. Each of them has one um, sort of driver. Uh, so um, the three drivers are standing kind of at the the gate to the depot that is closed. Um, that said, you can see scorch marks on the earth, um, kind of outside uh, the depot. And looking around um, in the field, um, think um, in uh, Kingston, there's um, uh, Fort Henry, which is like a classic Canadian fort in that there's kind of an exterior wall, bunch of field, and then the fort itself, which is kind of a, a low-lying fort. It's the same sort of idea here. The actual volcano is, you know, almost is a distance away across a barren grass field. Uh, and you can see there are scorch marks kind of throughout the field. But uh, as someone who deals with martial stuff and threats, um, this isn't an un there's a reason this wall is so short. Like there's there are clearly other defenses uh, at work here because no one. No one would be this intimidated by one person with two weapons if it was just her. You can only see her, but you get the sense there might be other stuff afoot. Cool. Uh, having heard that threat, Duncan, who is probably almost invisible behind the like large suit of armor there, mm -hmm. just like steps out and just starts pacing slightly around the side. So like he's revealed 
his cape is back. The weapons are kind of displayed. And he's like, I think there's been a little bit of an under- misunderstanding here. You're talking to royalty and you're speaking on behalf of a lord who doesn't know royalty is here. Now, if your lord had come up to Orwell, he would receive an audience. There would be a conversation and it would be a lot more respectful than the tone you've taken here. And if you thought there was a wrong, then you could send a champion who would be faced off with. And if you're the champion, then let's get approval for the duel. Otherwise, I think the princess needs to speak to the lord. Uh, And just the whole time he's been doing like, very cautious but like displayed footwork he's doing all the things that if this lady was a duelist she would see how capable Mm -hmm. duncan could be uh and this is an attempt to intimidate sure go ahead and roll please hi everyone this is laura here i'm not totally sure what to say because ryan is making me do this because i'm sitting here and we're about to record but if you want to help to join in and possibly mess me up uh you can throw some fun into the mix at Patreon.com slash dumb dumb dice. And join our community, have a say in what happens in the show, and a bunch of other stuff. So come check it out and make my life better or worse. Who knows? Uh, and I am going to use a swashing point for oh. Dochio. Uh, so there's a lot of just like hand like hand movement the cape the, everything there is just uh, ultra threatening and and persuasive which means i have advantage on this role roll the same on two dice all right that's there you fine go. uh here's your roll your great <laughs> i i hate this bit so much um okay uh 15 for the intimidation roll um okay so it's enough to have her, um, she goes from standing very casually with a hand on each axe to kind of switching up her footwork to a more, if you were going to rush her, like it's not aggressive, but it is active, if that makes any sense. Yep. Um, and um, she uh, immediately, it's like the garbage town people don't exist anymore. Uh, she's just like, oh, so that's how it is, huh? Well, listen, I uh, I think you might have a few things backward about how often we're allowed to go visit the up top, but uh, you want to talk to the Lord and meet his champion, you're most welcome. Me? I'm just the door woman. So she um, moves to one side um, and um, uh, kind of um, grabs a crank with one hand. She actually unhooks the axe with the other. She's not being threatening. She just wants it in hand. Um, And then with her massive arm, uh, she takes a a lever that's clearly meant for two um, and, like, cranks open uh, the door. The Garbage Town people start getting on their carts with, like, a look of potential hope, and she just raises the axe kind of head down and points it at him, and she's like, I'm letting in the royals. Not you, motherfuckers. You stay where you are, or you got a date with old Betty. And she flips it around and points it at them. Um, and uh, with that, you're able to enter onto the the property. Once you're through, she cranks the gate shut, um, and you hear the the garbage town folk begin to unload their um, their cargo into the pile of useless cargo. Um, so uh, she stays there, but kind of points you down a, a, a path. Um, that uh, leads through the the loading depot. You can see there are a number of empty crates in here, shipping containers, the insides of which seem to have been burned clean. Um, so there's a, a constant sort of smell in the air of of, um, 
of uh, smoke and of sulfur and of methane, um, but uh, all of these seem um, fairly sterile. Uh, you can see other people wearing various uh, versions of the firefighter outfits, um, kind of um, mostly stacking these these things, and they're they're big and they're heavy, but they aren't. It doesn't look like they're trying to move them out. It looks like they're just kind of trying to get them out of the way. Like, this is very much a, this operation is done, so fuck you. But this was the switching depot where old new crates arrive, old crates are taken out. Um, all of the uh, the people you're passing, um, none of them are as large as the, the door woman was, but they are all fairly muscular and, and fairly um, hearty-looking folk. Um, and you can see all of them kind of have a perpetual sheen of sweat across their brows, um, most of them don't have the helmets, um, but you can see a rack of helmets and, and that sort of thing. Um, there are also water pumps everywhere with buckets um, for, for emergencies. Um, moving through the depot, um, the path starts sloping downward uh, towards the, uh, the volcanic base itself. And as you approach it, uh, you notice the grass starts to become uh, brown and dead and eventually just gives way to um, uh, sort of dirt and sand and rock. Uh, and you realize you're actually, uh, to some extent, um, climbing down a bit of a cliff. Um, and beyond it, you can see water um, for the first time. Uh, for Gwendolyn and Duncan, you've likely seen water on the horizon, but barely. And it's really just been a blue line. Um, Maka, this, you actually had to, to travel the ocean in order to arrive um, here. So this is nothing new for you. Um, but for the two of you, despite the kind of horrible, um, heavy metal uh, stench of, of processing in the air, um, it's a truly breathtaking sight, um, particularly seen from this angle. Uh, that said, to your surprise, you can also see the wall uh, continues um, into the water and above it, um, kind of uh, looping around. But for the first time, you can kind of see the edge at distance. Uh, and there seem to be um, massive cannons that um, are um, idle, but if you stare at them long enough, you can actually see they're moving ever so slightly, uh, seemingly. Like, in modern terms, it's it's like an automated drone gun, um, but in ancient terms, mm -hmm. it's just the... Whatever enchantment is on them seems to be active. Um, is there anything... Um, what What do you think is... I, I think both of you come from such different backgrounds. You probably both have very different experiences of seeing the ocean for the first time. Uh, Duncan, let's start with you. What's What does this evoke for, for Duncan? Uh, it's conflicting, because the ocean is beautiful, and he's always wanted more of the world, and, like, this is, like, a grand adventure that he's always wanted. Like, he's always believed in the Dawnbreakers as a force that should be linked with the old world and linked with those people. But at the same time, he thought the wall was for, like, our shitty king has decided people shouldn't be able to get in, and finding out that it's the rest of the world has turned essentially active guns on humanity is infuriating and so frustrating because it's deserved hmm. and he's here with like no one who actually like a princess who didn't want to be here who doesn't know how to rule who doesn't know how to do any of this like the obstacles for his ultimate goal are insurmountable so the beauty ends up being like tragic hmm. and depressing in some ways uh Gwendolyn how about you um I think I'm, I'm kind of overcome with the sight um and I, I'm starting to feel like more and more kind of betrayed by my father for not 
um, like my education had nothing to do with the world below. Mm. And this is just realizing like, oh my, like there are important things that are happening down here. And there's like, not only that, but there's like a beauty in the world that I wasn't aware of. And like, I'm kind of pissed at my father for like, mm, this kind of like isolated false utopia mm -hmm. kind of that we've been living in. So um, Gwendolyn, I think what, what happens is you, as you're, you're kind of dealing with these feelings, you go and sit for a moment on the edge um, it's not like a sheer cliff. It's like it's one of the smaller cliffs leading to to the edge. Um, I, this is uh, kind of what mentally I've, I've earmarked as like a Final Fantasy moment, where every so often Final Fantasy actually slows down and takes the time to be like, here's a meaningful character moment about like what's going on with these people. Um, so I think uh, as you're kind of overcome with all of this, um, you take a moment to just kind of uh, collect yourself and. Duncan, despite um, everything, your sort of conflicted feelings about um, how equipped Gwendolyn is for all of this, um, you see something in in the frustration with which she kind of plunks herself down um, that mirrors your own. And I think for the first time in a long time, you have um, a bit of a moment of, uh, of softness towards her and kind of a memory of back when she was a very willing pupil and the lessons you were teaching her weren't hard deprogramming lessons. They were kind of hopeful, this is your future lessons. Um, so I think you go over, um, I don't know, would you sit next to her or would you just stand kind of over her shoulder? Probably sit. Doesn't make sense to talk to an apprentice from a high position. Cool. So you, you kind of um, sit down next to her. Um, Maka, do you think you would join them or would you just kind of uh, observe this this moment? I don't think it's ever occurred to you that someone wouldn't have seen the ocean uh, because no, it, it's weird. Even though you're, you're pretty separate from the rest of Tortal society, because you live on islands in the middle of the ocean, it's just a given. Like, yep. it there. Yeah, yep. Um, yeah, the ocean is pretty mun... No, I mean, the ocean is always still like a beautiful and magical place or whatever, but it's, it is not why we're here. Um, mm -hmm. So it's sort of mundane to me. Um, them having a reaction to it um, would probably give me pause, and I'd probably be looking more at them than the ocean, just okay. to kind of get a sense of what they're going through. Cool. So, um, Duncan... Uh, knowing that you've been laying down hard truths and you're now seeing kind of the the princess deal with seemingly some of the same feelings you are, would you say anything or do you think you would just sit in companionable silence? I don't want to force any like arbitrary character choices on, on you both, but I do want to make sure that we're, we're mm -hmm. leaving room kind of in the quest narrative for these kind of moments of reconnection and um, understanding. So... Uh, I'll leave it up to the two, or actually, Gwendolyn, same question for you. Um, would you express any of this to Duncan, or, or is this an internal thing for you? Yeah, I think he sits down, and I just I just kind of say, like, I don't look at him, but I just kind of, like, facing forward, just say, Orvel is very small, isn't it? Yep. That's it. Uh, so the two of you take a moment uh, to handle uh, the size of the world. Honestly, like, this is a tremendously scary prospect, uh, and obviously for different reasons, but 
Uh, and then after a moment of kind of breathing uh, what little of the sea air you can, um, you both kind of in an unspoken agreement rise and uh, continue on down the path. Um, so I'm going to, this is a mechanic I'm stealing from Dungeon World. Um, I'm going to build in a mechanic here where uh, as the party develops bonds, um, you can gain uh, in Dungeon World it's experience. Here it's going to be advantage um, from acting on those bonds. Uh, and obviously the two of you have history, mm -hmm. but I think something that neither of you anticipated is that the world is larger and stranger and scarier and even more alien than you anticipated. So whenever either of you acts to help the other one in a situation like that, um, you can possibly earn uh, inspiration as you both wrestle with... And I think, Gwendolyn, even though you're wrestling with it on a personal level, I think you would also recognize, having spent so much time with Duncan, that the most knowledgeable man you've ever met doesn't actually know anything about where you are or mm. what's happening. And even though he's riding you pretty hard about like becoming a princess, it's, it's the classic like realizing that your parents have fears as well thing, where it's like... Oh shit! Right. We are really, we're in it now. It, Garbage Town was was familiar enough, but the ocean is spooky. Great. Um, you make your way down towards uh, kind of a, a plateau um, overlooking the ocean, and you can actually see, um, kind of protected by a heat resistant material uh, that seems to be shimmering. Uh, it's not. It, it looks like glass. It's obviously not glass. It's got that kind of, um, uh, um, I think like, um, it's in a lot of like gift shops and stuff that it's not quite stained glass, but like kind of a colored oil on water kind of look, um, to it. Um, yeah, yeah. uh, it warps the image slightly. Um, but anyway, so, um, there's an arch of that built over what, uh, seems to actually be a stream of lava. Um, that is mm. of like liquid hot fire um, that is pouring off the edge uh, of this um, plateau um, running down the, the length of the, the cliffs and then hitting the water and steaming and you can, as you get closer here a constant hiss of the steam as, uh, as this magma goes um, you feel the heat from inside the, uh, the volcano um, from where you're standing uh, almost immediately um, uh, Duncan, you begin to sweat um, in a in a way that normally you don't, unless you're you're deep in a fight. Um, Laura, you can't sweat anymore, but your armor becomes hot, and it's an uncomfortable mm -hmm. sensation. Uh, and Maka, you come from a pretty humid climate. This um, is like dry heat, though, right? Yeah, there's no moisture. No, it's here. just a wave of of heat. And I imagine as as an aquatic creature, that would be. Fairly uncomfortable, yeah. so yeah. It, it's an unpleasant um, sensation. Um, and the three of you come around to what looks like the opening of a massive cave. It seems the edge of this volcano has been sheared off um, through mining, uh, and inside you can see kind of the entranceway uh, to the fire pond. Um, you can see a lot more of these um, sort of firefighters um, moving around and um, kind of going about the business of it. Um, Duncan, your eyes immediately light on the amount of um, uh, steel, uh, raw steel ingots and that sort of thing that are being passed through, uh, and your hand kind of unconsciously drops to your own sword. Um, you never 
really put too much thought into where the weapons in Orville come from. Orville is huge is a huge manufacturer of, of weapons, but you always saw the end product, not the uh, not necessarily like the the forges weren't full. Like you would show up and a blacksmith would be like, "Here's your weapon, sir." They weren't like, "Hang on a minute." pour the thing, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, you can see that there's sort of uh, an administrative area set up. Um, uh, beyond it is a massive, massive cavern uh, lit by by the red light of the fire pond. Um, and you can hear like this, the sounds of hammers uh, on weapons and all that sort of stuff and shouts from various people. You can see massive um, cauldrons of um, uh, liquid metal being moved around mm-hmm. on heavy chain. Um, but um, it is still a facility, so there's there's definitely kind of a greeting area um, to process you before you go any further in. Uh, you can see um, that there are uh, basically some clerks set up who aren't wearing the, the heavy fire material. They're actually wearing very lightweight um, clothing, um, and uh, there is a um, uh, one kind of uh, dejected-looking teenager, uh, and he's sitting there fanning fanning them uh they have like those little green banker visors from like movies only movies no <laughs> from bankers the around. yeah yeah um and um yeah they're they're sitting there in like undershirts and suspenders and um uh taking meticulous notes uh you can see the paper is constantly warped by the sweat and um uh they uh as you approach um a uh a like a Sort of a, a bald man with a with a, like a heavy beard that's just kind of constantly dripping uh, looks up and raises one big bushy eyebrow and he says, "Oh, uh, visitors! This is unexpected. I don't like unexpected. What brings you to the fire pond? We seek an audience with Lord Flicker. Hmm. Oh, do you now? Uh." And and he kind of looks at you, and it's it's that weird professional like doing something weird in a hotel, and the, all the hotel staff are just like, okay. Um, he doesn't really blink an eye. Um, says, uh, "Well, Lord Flicker is uh, very busy today. We're uh, having an inspection of uh, of the materials, and uh, he's um, he's been stoking the pond, uh, so he's not exactly at liberty. Uh, may I ask what this is about?" Please don't say it's about the the waste disposal. Uh, We've made it very clear we're done with that, and I don't want to hear any more about it. Hmm. Though you don't look like you're from Garbage Town, so that's good at least. We are are a delegation from Orvel to speak of many things that concern both our peoples. Interesting. I thought uh, Lord Flicker was very clear with uh, with your previous delegation that um, the weapons we produce uh, are now for the Magma Lord and for no other. Was that unclear? We- no, we're fine with the weapons. Got all the weapons we want. Not a problem. Other things. Other things. Kay. Duncan is visibly uncomfortable now. <laughs> Uh, just a second there, Friend. Uh, and I just want to, like, grab the princess and spin her around and whisper, you just turned down the only way you have to arm the army that could get you back where you're doing. Yeah, but I'm also trying to get in to see the Lord, Lord you, Flicker. Like, you are a ruler. Everything you say is now a law as spoken by the ruler of a nation. 
You have to be very careful for what you commit to. Hmm. Don't worry, this guy you can sort of go back on a little bit because he's not that important. But if you do that either very publicly or with a ruler, they're going to trap you legally. All right. Turn around. You just don't got to make any commitments. Just get yourself a meeting. And if it comes down to it, I mean, we don't have an army to back us. But at the same time, I'm morally obligated to challenge people to duel for you. So it'll happen. You know, I did it back at the gate. Remember, you're... This is going to be a very hard thing, and I'm aware that you didn't get a whole lot of training in this. Uh, you need to learn to talk from a position above people without actually talking down to them. And that's hard. No. But right now, an apologetic princess is not going to get us through that door. All right. All right. So any, any direction? I mean, you're telling me what I'm not supposed to do. I'm not really quite sure what to do. This wasn't really part of my training. I didn't even know this place existed. All right, here's the challenge. I can't tell you how to rule the way you would want to rule, and I need you to be able to figure that out. You're a princess. You are going to see the Magma Lord. You don't need to apologize for being here, and you're here to solve the problem. Remember, you're going to make this better for these people and for Garbage Town and for everyone. That's what you're here to do. And if someone needs to hit somebody, I'll step in and get it done. Um, Maka, can you roll me a constitution save, please? Fifteen. Fifteen. Um, as they're talking back and forth, you you pitch forward um, and, and heave a bit. Uh, and mm. you manage to recover yourself. I don't think they notice necessarily. Um, but it is... Uh, you've rarely been in a place that feels so devoid of the cluster. Um, yeah, I was thinking about that as you were describing this place. Yeah, it it feels pretty hollow. I'll leave it up to you whether that's the kind of thing Maka would communicate to them. Um, but I just wanted to put that bug in your ear. Um, so, Laura, having received counsel from Duncan, um, mm-hmm. you step forward again to mm-hmm. the, uh, the counter. Um, something I'd like to point out is um, I know that as a character build, uh, you're not built with, like, princess. You're built with uh, haunted armor. So mm-hmm. um, I think something I would encourage you to kind of figure out as we go is, like, there are skills like diplomacy and everything else and uh, persuasion and that sort of thing that are very much like a diplomat skill, um, but you're actually devoid of most of those. So as yeah. you continue to look at your skills, um, kind of following Duncan's counsel, but also keeping in mind um, his most recent lesson, which is like, it's up to you to figure out how you would rule. Um, figure out how you want to use your abilities and what you have in ways that can persuade people rather than worrying. Cause I know with D and D there's always a risk of just like, it isn't on my sheet, so I can't do it. And yeah. I don't want to leave you in that position. So the, this isn't anything Gwendolyn would do yet. I don't think, but as you continue to become more accustomed to your new self, um, I think it might be fun to explore. Like what does persuasion look like from the suit of armor? Um, so just keep that in mind as we, as we trundle along. All right. Cool. Um, okay, so you step back up, and um, the clerk uh, looks looks back up, and he's like, uh, I, I, I'm sorry, is there a problem? Um, there absolutely is a problem. Um, you see, you mistook my questioning attitude um, for a weakness, which was a mistake on your part. We are going to see uh, Lord Flicker, and you are going to show us the way. 
Huh. Um, so he, he looks down at his notes and you can tell that because you don't have an appointment, he's like really not sure what to do. Uh, because his whole life is, is clerical stuff. Um, but, and then, <laughs> sorry, I just want, <laughs> um, I then, uh, place my sword in, in front of me mm-hmm. and it's just like, uh, remove my hand, but my sword keeps hovering and I kind of move it back and forth. Is it like, is it that way? Is it that way? Is it that way? <laughs> he slowly pushes the papers away. He says, um, and he takes, he takes like one delicate finger and just points the sword slightly to the left. He's like, uh, that way, uh, your metal highness. Um, and, uh, the three of you begin to head in. Um, Maka, um, so you've managed to to kind of force your way through this, um, but each step in feels feels a little bit worse um, and and fairly claustrophobic. Um, what are your what what's kind of going on for for him right now? Um, I think this is a completely novel sensation to him. He has never mm-hmm. been this. He's never felt the cluster so distantly. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's probably a bit of uncertainty and fear creeping in, and I think he doesn't know how to process it. I don't think he's talking about it. I think he's still too stuck in it to be like, uh, guys, I'm experiencing some unfamiliar sensations kind of thing. Uh, so he will follow because, like, moving through this might be the only way to to get it done, but um, he's very distracted and concerned by this. Cool. Um, Duncan, how aware are you of Maka on a kind of minute-to-minute basis? I'm probably pretty aware in how he's moving, because at first I would have assumed he's sick, and now I've seen him to be very, like, capable. And I feel like Duncan, in that same way that, like, they talk about in, like, the Bourne movies, where, like, if he's sitting down in a room as a duelist, he's just like, okay, that guy's capable, this guy's an idiot, that guy's drunk. Yep. Like, he might be able to spot if Maka's starting to move weirdly. Okay, great. So you do notice that um, Maka is moving with uh, with a bit more difficulty. Um, to an untrained eye, it wouldn't... I mean, total anatomy is so strange to sort of most humans that it wouldn't be noticeable. But um, you can see each step is a little heavier, um, and his movements are a little less fluid. Um do you think you would comment on this, or is this the kind of thing you would keep under your hat? Um, if we've got a stretch where there's nobody around, I'd comment. If you're moving, we're still within sight, then no. So you're within sight of people, and like, um, think of it as very much as like, um, I can't, I've been trying this whole fucking game to come up with a better metaphor for this, but there isn't. Uh, it's very much like uh, like Doctor Evil's lair in Austin Powers. Like it's in a volcano. <laughs> And there are people rushing around, like, turning cranks and doing important henchmen-y things. Um, so you're basically walking through kind of industrial floor. You can see people carting around raw materials, but also, like, um, finished weapons uh, that all look um, Orvelian in uh, in design. That said, they are missing the flourishes. So, like, your cross guard is probably pretty rad. There's you're, You recognize the base of your cross guard on these weapons, but the flourishes haven't been added. The way to think of this is uh, kind of like a Tim Hortons where they just ship you all the frozen shit and then you put it in the oven and then you take it out of the oven so everyone can see it. And you're like, fresh bagels. Um, you realize that the the goal of the blacksmiths in Orvel is to, to fancy everything up and to make it more presentable and things like wrap the hilt in leather and like all that stuff. But um, 
So all this is going on around you. Um, weirdly, that does give you space to have a private conversation because there's just a lot of hustle and bustle. And again, you guys are up on the top floor. Um, as you start making your way in, you can see that there's a huge drop um, and uh, the, the sort of fire puddle itself is is down low. Um, you can see there are a number of um, sort of structures set up down there. There's more of that glass. Um, and uh, you can see um, sort of like a pump system funneling um, molten lava up and around. Uh, you get the sense there are likely on this level some forges, uh, and then their waste magma goes out the uh, out the tube. All right. So I guess as he's walking, uh, Duncan would like tilt his head forward a little bit so his hat like covers his face, mm -hmm. so people going by can't see that he's talking to Maka. Such a good hat. <sighs> so good. It's really smart investment on both his and the DM's part. Uh, <laughs> uh, and he'll he'll just say to Maka, uh, Sire Tortle, uh, you are faltering in the way that you walk. I have seen a shift where you've lost some of your, for lack of a better term, fluidic essence. What is going on? I have never felt so alone in this moment. The cluster is so far and quiet. I can barely hear them. Oh, my head is so empty. This is, there is no life in this place, nor is there death or decay. It is something ancient. Oh, it is, this all precedes the cluster. All of this magma and rock and the water. I feel unwell and powerless. Please, let us hurry. And Maka will shakily kind of pick up the pace a bit. Um, cool. So, um... Duncan, do you have any response to that, or would you just kind of log that? Um, I have follow-up questions I want to ask, but he seems not to want to talk, so I'm going to trust him to not collapse on us yep. without some kind of warning, but I'm going to stay closer to him than I normally would. Yeah, and earmark that for a later follow-up. Great. Yeah. Um, okay, fantastic. So um, you make your way kind of um, to the, the place that uh, the clerk indicated with um, uh, Gwendolyn's sword, and um, you find a um, uh, like a sort of tall, thin man uh, coming out to greet you. Uh, think kind of a Crispin Glover type. Um, uh, so very angular features. Um, his uh, uh, you notice he's wearing um, very heavy uh, gloves, like you would use to to take um, heavy metal out of out of a fire, um, and a uh, sort of a long apron. Um, that uh, just honestly makes him look taller. Uh, and he kind of steeples his fingers and he, he uh, sort of stops you with a cocked head and says, um, Hello, you must be the, the delegation from Orville, is that correct? Indeed we are. Uh, and he, he looks at you mm -hmm. and <clears throat> you can see immediately his eyes dart to like where there's no you. So I'm imagining like in terms of the chest plate, there's not like a whole bunch of gaps in your chest. It's not like a, a magic floating chest plate. 
Um, but definitely in the the elbows and sort of under the, the armpits. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it's a weird thing, but I think honestly the, the easiest example I can come up with is it's a little bit like someone checking you out. You're starting to get more and more used to seeing someone immediately dart their eyes to the gaps. So he does that, um, and uh, you see just a, the the faintest like um, flicker of surprise on his face, and he goes, "Are you? Is that the?" Is that the armor of Amalekin Solaris? Oh, you recognize it, do you? I do. Are you... Who are you? Well, I'm Princess Gwendolyn of Orvel. Um, and this is the armor of Amala. And we are 1B now. And he, like, just shakes his head in, in, in uh, sort of, like, surprise and delight and says, uh, may, may I examine the craftsmanship? Um, you may, and I kind of hold out an arm. Exactly, yeah, and he, he does, like, the, uh, I'm looking at it, it's almost like a doctor. Like, he's, like, looking at the arm, uh, and he's like, oh, f- fascinating. It is, it is as they said it was. This is, this is, you, you've truly, uh, brought me a tremendous gift here today. Uh, the, the ability to examine this armor up close, I've, I've heard tell of it, uh, is, is, uh, Honestly, as uh, unimpressive and impressive as, as promised. It truly is copper armor. This is beautiful madness. Uh, thank you. Um, however, I, I must admit, you have me at a bit of a disadvantage. Uh, last we heard, um, there was only a King Valdrin Kinsolaris um, of Orvel. How do you fit into all of that? I'm his daughter. Ah, yes. Yes, famous fathers. I <laughs> know the type. Uh, my name is Cinder. I am um, one of uh, Lord Flicker's uh, sons, his eldest, uh, and um, master of... And I, I, say, I say, ah, an equal. Oh, uh, oh, thank you. That's that's kind of <laughs> you to say. Uh, you are uh, a princess inhabiting legendary armor. I'm merely an armorer, but thank you. Uh, I am uh, the uh, the chief architect of the uh, the Warforge here at um, at uh, the Fire Pond. Um, my father is currently busy um, stoking the uh, the pond, um, but he'll be done shortly. Uh, I'm happy to show you somewhere you can wait in the meantime, or if you'd like a tour of the facility, I'd be happy to facilitate that as well. It's rare to have royalty down here, so it would be nice. Uh, and your companions are... This is... Uh... <laughs> Duncan, God, what's your last name? Kendano. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Duncan Kendano um, of the Dawnbreakers, uh, and this is uh, Maka uh, Deathcap of the the Great uh, Total People of uh, Briel. Is that it? Uh, Bleen. Oh, Bleen. Yes, of Bleen. <laughs> Bleen, Your Highness. <laughs> Bleen. Um, it says oh, fascinating, <laughs> fascinating company you keep. Although I, I'm. Uh, also accustomed to uh, having grown up here uh, to to odd circumstance myself. Um, he looks at you, Ryan, and um, his eyes immediately light on your bracers. Um, and he says, a dawnbreaker. So are, are your bracers of copper? I understand uh, we've mostly been forging them in gold of late. Those are not the true dawnbreaker coppers. If they wear the gold, they're not a real dawnbreaker. Oh, uh, wow, there sure are a lot of fake Dawnbreaker orders then, because I tell you, we haven't made copper ones in, oh, about 40 years. 
he looks he looks at your bracers and he's like, actually, sorry, may I? I'm not taking them off, but no, you can no, look. No. Uh, he looks and um, he gestures to a small. Um, there's a small uh, imperfection on your right bracer that um, I think Ryan, you always just wrote off as part of the smelting process. And he goes, "Oh, I thought so. Um, I actually made this one. That's that's my mark. We mark all of our our gear down here. Um, we used to have a lot of orders for these, but um, as I said, it's mostly been gold of late. Have they been treating you well? Oh, these, yes." Thank you, craftsman. Excellent. Oh well, I'm glad. Uh, it's uh, it's always uh, fun to get to craft in a different material. Anyway, please, uh, we've talked enough. Come, come. Um, and uh, so um, he leads you. Uh, so I'm sorry. I guess I didn't give you time to respond. Um, do you want to go and wait for the Lord uh, in kind of like a, a waiting room with refreshment, or do you want a tour? Uh, please, a tour. Cool. So he begins to, to walk you through the facility. He takes you past the forges. Um, he points out um, his brother, Ash, who is um, just uh, in all the ways uh, that um, Cinder is, is slender, Ash is uh, stout. He is a um, he's a shaved head. Uh, shave, he's got a very, very close-cropped um, sort of goatee um, and just kind of a, classes, a classic Hephaestus type, just like... Big dude hammering away at steel. Um, you can actually see uh, one of his hands is... Uh, he's missing one of his hands. Um, and it is a um, sort of an iron gauntlet uh, with an intricate claw at the end um, that he's using very dexterously to uh, manipulate the metal. Um, even though it isn't articulated, you can see he's worked it in such a way that he can actually handle hot material much easier um, with this prosthetic that he's he's uh, built. And and uh, Cinder uh, points that out and is he's quite proud of it. He helped design it, but um, it was Ash's idea. Um, and then uh, they uh, he carries uh, he sort of brings you further. You can see the old waste facility. Um, which is uh, almost like, think if the fire pond is the swimming pool, this is the hot tub. Uh, so it's basically a circular room with uh, one uh, that um, kind of has a means of bringing in crates that would then be dumped into the uh, the circular pool to melt them down. Uh, and the crates would carry on, but it's currently not in operation. There's there's nothing going on in this room right now. So he kind of brushes past it, being like, oh, don't, don't worry too much about that one. Um, and then... Um, he uh, finally uh, brings you to a um, sort of um, large area down by the actual fire pond itself. Uh, and he says, uh, so here's where I'll leave you. Um, again, my, my father will be done uh, his task shortly. Uh, if you need anything, uh, you can um, speak to uh, my other brother, uh, Fivel, um, who is, uh, well, <laughs> he used to be called the Poopsmith because uh, he was the one in charge of uh, the the... Um, shoveling, as it were, uh, but uh, since we stopped the uh, stopped the uh, waste management system, he now serves drinks. So uh, he'll have some refreshment for you. Uh, and um, I guess he he like looks at you, Laura, and goes, and um, a polish, I suppose, for you. Uh, and uh, friend Tortle, you you seem um, you, you seem a little bit unwell. Can we get you anything? Do you need water? Do you need food? A uh, place to lie down? Do you? have here any sort of organic material? Something from the earth? I mean, we've harvested many ores from the earth, if, if that counts. I can show you some of our raw materials. No, is, no, no. Is there a garden of some kind? Oh, no, no, no. You'd have to, you'd, you'd have to visit uh, 
uh, the farms uh, for that, but uh, the butcher isn't too too into guests, as you know. I will make do. Great. Uh, and I'm uh, I'm going to cast Goodberry. Oh, uh, cool! Yeah. <laughs> uh, but in this case, what? it'll be it'll be flavored as like good toadstool or something. Um, Amazing. Do you want to talk us through what Goodberry does? Yeah. You've never heard of this. So uh, I'll read out the spell, but I'll also just reflavor it how how it would be done with. Uh, with maca so up to 10 um small mushrooms appear in my hand uh, and are infused with magic uh for the duration which is uh it's an it's instantaneous um uh, a creature can use it uh, its action to eat one berry or sorry one mushroom uh eating uh, a mushroom restores one hit point and the mushroom provides enough nourishment to sustain a creature for one day um, they yeah. lose their potency if they have been not been consumed within 24 hours of the casting of this spell so what Maka is attempting to do here is because the the area around him is not like a sustainable cyclical ecosystem. Mm-hmm. He's trying to make himself his own self-contained ecosystem. The spores and f- funguses do live within and upon him. Yep. So he's now going to start consuming them um, to feed himself and with this, this symbiotic relationship feed them uh, and Love hopefully it. create his own cycle Yeah, I uh, think to alleviate some of the, the weariness that he's feeling. 100%. The second you do cool. that, um, it, it's like someone closed a circuit. Like, just your whole okay. your whole body relaxes, your shell feels less um, dry, um, and uh, you almost uh, almost gasp for breath because it's, it's um, you know, in video game terms, it's like you swam too long and then you ran out of air and your health bar was going down. But um, no, this is your equivalent of putting on like a hazmat suit, really. Um, so I, you feel I, much better. I think it starts with like a single toadstool pinched between two fingers, placed delicately in the mouth, and then just the invigorating feeling, just the other handful just goes, <laughs> and he like, he just cookie monsters it. <laughs> Uh, amazing. All right, so you're you're left for a few minutes um, in what seems to be kind of um, an office space of some sort. Uh, it's got a large bay window that looks out over the fire pond. Um, you're uh, just like above it a bit. It's kind of like a classic CEO office that overlooks the the factory floor kind of thing. Um, and uh, after you've been there for a moment or two, um, you hear um, a kind of uh, trembling of uh, glasses. Um, and you turn to see, uh, for lack of a better term, um, a version of Cinder who was uh, put through the wash cycle a bit too many times and then dried and shrank. So a much kind of uh, smaller, uh, tweakier version of him comes in. Um, he's tried to comb his hair the same way, but it's at slightly odd angles. Um, his sharp features look a little bit um, hawkish. Uh, and you can tell his nose has been broken uh, several times. Uh, and he walks in with a trembling tray, and he's like, Oh, I'm sorry, I heard there were guests, and it was my job to bring the drinks. Um, and he looks at the three of you, and he's like, Are you guests? Yes. We are, we are good, sir. Nailed it in one! Um, must be the poopsmith. That's me, Fievel the poopsmith! Or at least I was. Now I'm Fievel the... Well, I'm, I'm still a poopsmith at heart. That's what they tell me. Uh, so he comes in and um, 
There's just a, a slight uh, uh, hint of sewage on him, even though he he, he, he seems to be impeccably dressed. Uh, it seems to have almost um, soaked into his. Like skin. he's pooped himself. Uh, more like, uh, yeah, like like he pooped himself, or like he's just been rolling around in poop for a while, and it's just, it's like I worked as a barista for a while, and it doesn't matter how much you wash your hands, you come home smelling like coffee. It, yeah, it's like that, but well, instead of coffee, it was poop. Um, this is great for Maka. Maka's loving this. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. <laughs> so he so comes. Step- oh, go ahead, right? I was gonna say Duncan will step forwards uh, and assist him with the drinks. Because, I mean, Duncan's more dexterous. He also doesn't want to see this get spilled. And Duncan is fully aware that the people who are mistreated or who are ignored are actually the ones who are the most likely to give you real information. So he'll just step forward and say, allow me to serve you, Honorable Fievel. We would love to hear about the change in your station and your role and what's led you to us here today. Please sit. I just gesture to sit opposite the princess. Oh, thank you, my lord. Um, And uh, he looks around for a princess. This episode of Curse Code and Crowd Sound was mixed and edited by Laura Hamstra, and the campaign was created by Tom McGee. Our original theme music was composed by Landon Noblock, and Curse Code and Crown's logo was created by the brilliant Decapitated Markers. If you want to follow our players or our DM on Twitter, you can reach out to Laura at EL Hamstring, Ryan at the Ryan LeBlanc. Tyler at Tyler underscore Hewitt, Tom McGee at McGeeTD, or you can message our whole company at Dum Dum Dice. So please join us again for more Curse, Code, and Crown! Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. Christian Manicola, Long Long, The Half-Blind Prophet, James Quayar, Charles Grams, Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby, One True Artistry, Orion Birchfield, Lord Abradovic, Noel Lewis, Scott Garland, Anthony Griffin, Chet Awesome Laser, Jordan Neesmith, Benjamin V, Gavin and Abby McDonald, and Jill and Noel LaPlante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.